1: Riffing on a Wonka character, so in the original story, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's really obscure fact that there's three rival chocolatiers, Slugworth, Prodnose and Thicko Gruber, who are accused of sending in spies into Wonka's factory. He closes his gates, gets some blue You know, that's the uh, that's how that all turns out. And so I thought, since we have all these real-world Wonka products like Wonka Nerds, Sweet Tarts, um, Laffy Taffy, I thought I'd just. Uh, release a product line for Wonka's Enemy. So starting with Fickle Gruber. So you got Wonka Nerds, I make Fickle Grubers freak.
2: I'm Luke Griffin, and you're listening to Bushwick, a new series that takes you into the extraordinary lives that people lead in one Brooklyn neighborhood as it explodes with arts, activism, and entrepreneurship. Today, you're going to meet one of Bushwick's most surprising characters— An honest-to-goodness mad scientist who's in the middle of an ambitious experiment. It's one that's testing the limits of just how far one creative can go to achieve their vision. And if it's successful, it may very well transform some of your childhood's most iconic experiences. This is Bushwick, Episode 3, Eugene J. The corner of Wilson Avenue and Knoll Street is surely one of the few places in America where 365 days a year, passers-by are watched by the smiling gaze of jack-o'-lanterns. That's because no matter if it's Halloween, Easter, or just another Friday, a pair of toothy pumpkin mascots are there to greet you at one of Bushwick's most unusual shops. What makes this particular store so surprising isn't just what it sells, which is in fact the delightful creations of a mysterious inventor but rather what it represents, the first public steps of a multi-decade creative experiment. But from the outside, you wouldn't know any of this, because other than the jack-o'-lanterns, all you'll see on the tinted storefront is the name of the shop's enigmatic owner, Eugene J. And when you push your way through the door, past the pumpkins, it's now Eugene Jay smiling, behind the counter, eager to welcome you into a space that's at turns his shop, his laboratory, and his living room.
1: So, my name's Eugene, and I have a candy store in Bushwick. It's called Eugene J. Candy Company, but just uh, less formally Eugene's or Eugene's Candy Shop.
2: To call this place simply a candy shop would be an understatement. It's more like a candy experience. The dimensions are small, and it might feel crowded with more than a handful of people here. But every available inch is utilized to display either candy or some of Eugene's trademark decorative touches. There are shelves full of chocolates, gummies, hard candies, and virtually any other type of treat you could imagine. It's a playful mix of your typical checkout line options, vintage candies dating deep into the last century, and imported sweets from around the world. On one shelf, you might find a buffet of bulk chews and taffies, and on another, you might find an ode to something called Yowie World, a collection of Australian chocolate eggs filled with little figurines of endangered animals. Eugene Jays is without a doubt in the running to have the greatest variety of candies per square foot in the country, perhaps even the world. This is all enmeshed in a thick membrane of kitsch, DIY decorations that reflect the season and Eugene's own twisted tastes. For Halloween, you might see spiders and bats perched upon cobwebs and candy boxes, but for the 4th of July, you might see jack-o'-lanterns seated beside more summer-appropriate fare, like tiki torches and songbirds. It's an aesthetic that Eugene alternately refers to as the haunted candy store, or simply Halloween colliding with every season.
1: I was working with an artist to come out with a logo for the store, and we were thinking, like, what kind of character can we use? It was like an elephant, a giraffe, and then I was like, kept on going back to the pumpkin, a jack-o'-lantern for some reason, because it's like the greatest... Um, celebration of Halloween. Halloween is this great celebration of candy, so I stuck with the jack o' lantern, and that kind of uh, pushed everything else into this kind of like what I call like this uh, haunted candy store, or like this Halloween colliding with every other season. Um, so it's you know like during Christmas times a little nightmare before Christmas, but you can say it's like a little nightmare before Easter or Valentine's or whatever.
2: But for all the things here that might catch your eye, from the spooky decorations to the rows of imported candy, the ones that are most likely to keep your attention are the products that Eugene displays in a special cabinet by the counter. These are the candies that you can't find anywhere else, the ones that Eugene makes himself here in the shop. Today, he's showcasing just one variety, a collection of crunchy, nerd-like little nuggets called Fickle Gruber Freaks. And while they might not look like much, These candies represent the first step in an audacious master plan. It's a project that blurs the lines between science and storytelling. And it's the culmination of a surprising career that evokes Eugene's polymathic heroes like Andy Warhol and Nikola Tesla. As a kid, Eugene enjoyed watching cooking shows and testing out baking recipes in his kitchen. But it wasn't until he was studying chemical engineering in college that he started to experiment in the much different world of candy making. The boundary-pushing works of confectioners like chocolate mogul Jacques Torres inspired Eugene to try some of the techniques he was learning in his classes using his own equipment at home. Slowly, he began to invest more and more of his free time into making more and more ambitious candies, in the kitchen of his studio apartment.
1: It really was just a hobby. I was just watching a lot of like cooking shows and um, trying out recipes on my own. Really simple at the start, like hard candies, caramels, marshmallows, really traditional stuff. But I always loved gummies and I, I like tortured myself to make gummies for a long time. because whatever...
2: The process was so torturous because unlike the traditional cooking world where you can find recipes and equipment for just about anything, The candy-making world is infamously secretive. Major brands like Mars, Nestle, and Hershey's go to extraordinary lengths to keep their recipes and techniques hidden from their competitors. At least one company, for instance, is even said to make repairmen wear blindfolds as they pass through its factories. It was this combination of science, whimsy, and espionage that inspired the definitive candy story, Roald Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. If you're not familiar with the book or its movie adaptations, it's the tale of a brilliant candy maker named Willy Wonka. He's known for making innovative candies that use unusual ingredients to produce surprising effects, like allowing people to fly. But as the story goes, Wonka is forced to fire his employees and close his factory to visitors after his fiercest rivals steal too many of his most prized secrets. As a kid, Eugene was inspired by the fantastical tale of Wonka's workshop. And as an adult he was uniquely equipped with his engineering skills to solve the puzzles required to begin making candy of his own. But that didn't mean that it would be easy
1: because without using like a vacuum cooker or like these um, industrial processes and ingredients it was like really hard. I could make something but it was like either too soft and plump and not like a Haribo gummy texture that I wanted and um and I tried to, like, reverse engineer it for a little while, looking at, like, ingredients lists and nutrition labels and to figure out sugar and protein and gelatin levels and everything. It was all just, like, trying out recipes and tweaking one thing, you know, maybe, like, the amount of corn syrup or sugar in it and seeing what happens. And maybe 100 recipes later, it finally came out with a uh, gummy recipe that I, like, took that long.
2: Even more so than the science of it all, Eugene found himself drawn to candy making because it represented a unique and limitless medium for creative expression. And at his heart, he's as much an artist as he is a scientist.
1: I do have a sweet tooth, but um, more than anything, it's just like a fun creative outlet for me. So uh, even with the candies I make now, the candy is kind of secondary, if you can believe that. You know, like it's got to taste good, it's got to look good, it's got to be cool, but um, it's just all design. So. Um, You know, you come out with a candy product, you come up with a funny name for it, you come out with a logo for it, do the packaging, it's all design, you know, Uh, come out with a little candy jingle, um, it's just like endless um, product characters, you know, so it's just kind of really fun in that sense.
2: As time went on, the process became less torturous, and Eugene grew more ambitious. He acquired better equipment and honed his skills, and even as he prepared to finish his engineering degree his passion for candy making only intensified. After graduating, Eugene went on to work in a pretty traditional engineering role with a countertop company. But in the back of his mind, he continued to develop his ideas for candy making. Eventually, when he needed to take a break from his manufacturing job, he absconded to Berlin, where he lived near a nightclub, and as he puts it, partied all the time. But he also brought with him some of his equipment from New York, and he used the opportunity to continue honing his candy-making skills. He sold products like handmade lollipops to his fellow club-goers, and after seeing their positive responses, returned to New York emboldened to do something risky.
1: And then, When I came back, instead of going into engineering again, I just, uh, I just uh, took the big leap, and I went to Dylan's Candy Bar... I worked in sales, getting paid $10 an hour, you know, big, big difference from a salary job.
2: He'd gone from engineering to essentially working retail at a big box candy store, a move that came at a significant pay cut. But at least he was now working with candy professionally and learning the ropes of how the business of the industry worked. He eventually rose into a corporate role at Dylan's, but there was one nagging issue. They didn't actually make any of their own products. So Eugene found himself faced with a tough choice. Would he stick with his stable but uninspiring job in his dream industry, or would he disembark for an unknown opportunity where he could pursue his real passion, the craft of making his own candy? Like any good budding mad scientist, he chose the craft.
1: I I left the company, uh, loved working there and learned everything from there. But I left the company because um, they don't actually manufacture anything. Everything is private label. So I got a little disillusioned. I wanted to make cool candies and I was a little bit stifled. It was just kind of like, it's just kind of a retail environment more than uh, a creative manufacturing environment.
2: With some encouragement from his father, he was ready to make his next leap. This time, to trying his hand at opening his own store, where he wouldn't just sell candy, he would make it. (music) To most people, Bushwick would have been an unusual choice for where to open a candy store. The community has plenty of families and children who would be the obvious demographic for buying candy, but the primary drivers of growth in the neighborhood for the past several years have been single millennials. Eugene, however, had some unique insights into the special opportunities available in Bushwick for a quirky new business like his. But how he got those insights was not for any of the reasons you might expect.
1: So I actually play in a noise rock band also.
2: Bushwick has long been home to a vibrant and boundary-pushing music scene, and well before he was scouting locations for his store, Eugene was thrashing in gigs throughout the neighborhood as a guitarist in the noise rock quartet Big Pig. That's with two B's and two G's.
1: Kind of like punk music. It's uh, kind of what replaced punk music as punk became mainstream. So noise, it's um, it's half and half like heavy, groovy rock with some squealing guitars. That's our brand of it, at least.
2: To know Eugene only within the context of his candy making, this would all be a bit shocking. He's typically soft-spoken and gentle, often dressed in a conservative sweater or collared shirt. Big Pig's aesthetic, on the other hand, might best be described as horrorcore. Their album covers feature grotesque and occasionally gory artwork from the Chicago illustrator Corinne Halbert, and one listener review on Big Pig's Bandcamp page describes their music as quote, excruciatingly painful, yet thrilling. While noise rock and horror imagery might have seemed unusual points of reference for scouting the locations of a candy shop. They were, in a certain way, even more authentic to Eugene's spiritual forebears in the candy world. Take Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, for instance. Like many of Roald Dahl's works, it's actually a pretty dark story and focuses a substantial amount of time on some elaborate, albeit whimsical, punishments for bratty kids. Eugene, of course, had to sanitize his more macabre tastes for the family-friendly environment of the store, but he would go on to pay homage to the underlying darkness of the Wonka mythos with the playfully haunted setting of the shop, the friendly jack-o'-lantern logo, for instance, would even come from the same artist responsible for Big Pig's more R-rated album covers. So, as Eugene was already underway building one admittedly extreme brand in the dive bars of Bushwick, he was able to recognize a community that he could begin to build upon with his new shop.
1: As I. Say- I've been playing music for a long time, and you know, I, I saw the transition. We used to play shows all over Manhattan, the Lower East Side, and then we stopped playing there. We were just playing in Williamsburg, and now we don't even go there. All our shows are within a mile of this shop, pretty much. You know, so I followed that progression of the music scene, of the art scene, kind of, and that's kind of how I wound up in Bushwick. <laughs>
2: The Eugene J. Candy Company opened in Bushwick in 2016, and much as could be expected from his experience in the neighborhood's music scene, Eugene's clientele haven't necessarily been the obvious candy customers.
1: So this store, you know, like, um, it's kind of backwards from a traditional candy store in every in every single way. You know, like, uh, uh my business should be like mostly children, but it's not. You know, like, um, I joke that I can't move like a like a license, like, cars or trolls or anything the young kids would like. But stuff like Harry Potter, you know, flies off the shelf because my, my customer base is a 20- and 30-year-old kid.
2: Eugene initially imagined himself as a Wonka-like figure here, a mysterious recluse who would appear from time to time to surprise and delight with his creations. But unlike with Wonka or the secretive giants of the real-world candy industry, Eugene's biggest problem wasn't competitors trying to scoop his innovations— it was just trying to make it as a new small business. He realized that in order to build a customer base, he would need to take a more active role in the neighborhood.
1: I, you know, when I opened the store, I thought I could be this kind of elusive, mysterious guy and have this whole story of like a cool candy company with, uh, uh nifty candy company candies coming out, and it's like, how did, how did how did he do it now? Like, uh, who is this guy? But then I realized, as the owner of this store, I gotta be, um, I gotta show my face.
2: <laughs> he quickly found that showing his face had advantages beyond just attracting new customers. He'd begun building his own community of regulars and establishing himself as a welcome part of the fabric of the neighborhood.
1: Everyone goes to a candy store, you know, so it's, it's been amazing to meet All the regular customers, but also all the other business owners in this neighborhood, you know, like everyone comes in here. So whether it's just for themselves or it's buying a little gift. So um, it's, it's been it's been great you get to meet the entire community.
2: Opening himself up to the community also catalyzed a network of eager and increasingly experimental collaborators within the neighborhood. Since he opened, local businesses have regularly reached out to Eugene to partner on different projects that appeal to his ambitions as a boundary-pushing candy maker. One particularly successful partnership is with a place called Brooklyn Cava, a cafe that specializes in psychoactive teas derived from plants like the Cava Cava root.
1: So it's a root that they masticate and drink in Polynesia and the Pacific Islands ceremoniously and um, it's... People say it's like alcohol, but it's kind of not. You know, it's, it's really anti-anxiety. Uh, it removes inhibitions like alcohol does, but it leaves your head entirely clear. So it's just more than anything, it's just calming and like sedating.
2: With its remarkably, and some might say nastily bitter taste, Kava Kava isn't necessarily an obvious choice to feature in a candy. But last year, Eugene was able to work his magic to create a product that captures the calming effects of the root, in a candy that's as delicious
1: as any of his others. I put out this thing called Kava Freaks, um, which is pretty much the same thing as a... It's, it's pretty much a giant nerds candy with Kava Kava in it, so it'll like numb your tongue, it's bitter, it'll sedate you and chill you out a little bit. Um, and I put that out at the end of maybe April of last year, and it was the top grossing product of the entire year or so.
2: Partnerships like this allow Eugene to be the kind of askew, mature candy shop that most represents his eccentric personality, and they afford him the creative freedom to push the boundaries of the art form. As a science forward and innovative candy maker, he's often compared to Willy Wonka. But Eugene prefers a different comparison, one that he's coined Candy Warhol. In an interview with Pop Matters, he describes this moniker as more befitting of the singular, pop sensibilities that he brings to his candy. As he puts it, weird but appealing, fun and funny. In a store that provides equal billing for premium Swiss chocolates, edible boogers, and Eugene's Cava Freaks, it does indeed seem fitting. While Eugene may see himself as more Candy Warhol than Willy Wonka, he remains nonetheless indebted to and inspired by Dahl's classic story. Eugene's signature candy, the Fickle Gruber Freak, of which the Kava Freak is a descendant, is the product of a reinvention of the accepted Wonka narrative
1: had this idea of uh, riffing on a Wonka character so in the original story, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it's really obscure fact that there's three rival chocolatiers, Slugworth, Prodnose, and Thicko gruber who are accused of sending in spies into Wonka's factory. He closes his gates, gets some loompas, you know, that's the uh, that's how that all turns out. And so I thought, since we have all these real world Wonka products like Wonka Nerds, Sweet Tarts um, Laffy Taffy I thought I had just uh, released a product line for Wonka's Enemy. So starting with Thicka Gruber. So you got Wonka Nerds, I make Thicka Gruber's Freaks.
2: The Freaks are Eugene's calling card. Whether he's infusing them with new flavors or remixing them with special ingredients like Kava Kava, they're the canvas upon which he's painting his mission-defining works. But beyond the confection of it all, the Freaks are also his first step towards something bigger than Wonka, bigger even than candy itself.
1: I, I call it a twenty year project because the and it's like an art project. What I want to do ultimately is um not just have the product line, but um I want to do like a wicked or like a maleficent, you know, like a wicked for Wizard of Oz. This whole story is misunderstood. Uh Group is not the evil guy who stole Wonka's invention of non melting ice cream, which is what he's accused of right now. Um, I want to somehow parallel this like um Thomas Edison Nikola Tesla rivalry. So, like, uh, Wonka's gonna be prolific like an Edison, but I want Fickle Gruber to be the real, true, unsung hero, you know? Uh, Today,
2: Eugene has Fickle Gruber freaks, but tomorrow, the possibilities are endless. He's already planning the next, even more ambitious installments in the Fickle Gruber product line.
1: You know, like, I'm thinking, like, Wonka mixes chocolate by waterfall. Maybe Fickle Gruber can mix chocolate by air bubbles, kind of like how you have these aerated chocolate bars called Aero or like Hershey's Air Delights and stuff. Um, and I was thinking, you know, like uh, he, maybe he makes the aerated chocolate bars using fizzy lifting drink, you know, a uh, uh, gas bubble. You know, I think, uh, Wonka
2: and Fickle Gruber are just Eugene's first muses from the works of Roald Dahl. Eugene imagines a kind of doll extended universe where he can incorporate more of the author's iconic children's stories, not just into more candies, but perhaps into a broader entertainment ecosystem with more interactive and narrative elements.
1: I want to tie it in so much back into the original story, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and also like leap over into other real doll products like James and the Giant Peach or Charlotte's Web or whatever it is. Um, It wouldn't be so like... um, um, kind of like intertwined with all of Rodol's products that I don't think I can do this overnight.
2: Today, at least, this is all very theoretical. And the reality is that Eugene has a long way to go before his expansive vision might come to fruition. Since opening the candy company in 2016, he's been quite literally a one-man show. It's only Eugene who stocks the shelves, decorates the store, checks out the customers, And it's only Eugene who works late into the night in the lab, churning out new batches and dreaming up new recipes. Andy Warhol's factory was full of workers. But here, Candy Warhol works alone. That he's been able to accomplish so much already with so little help is a testament to his uncanny versatility and his singular dedication to willing his passions into existence. But Eugene may now be running into the limits of just how far one determined creative can go in a market like Bushwick, where the competition for consumers is only heating up. In this way, Eugene feels akin to another of his inspirations, the inventor Nikola Tesla. Tesla was brilliant and prolific, but odd and aloof a largely misunderstood figure in his time, who was cast as the fickle gruber to his rival Thomas Edison's Wonka. Ultimately, Tesla just preferred the world of science and creation to the world of business. And as Eugene now dreams up the brilliant next steps in his 20-year master plan, he faces similar tensions.
1: He wanted to create free energy for the world, but J.P. Morgan was like, Nicola, how are we going to make money off this, you know? And that's kind of my, my view on it, too. I'm not here to make huge profits. I just want to have fun and make cool things, you know?
2: So- In order to continue making cool things and getting them into the hands of consumers, Eugene needs to somehow balance his dreaming with growing his revenue and retail operations. There are plenty of things he'd love to do today, from straightforward upgrades like scaling up his wholesale capabilities to more stimulating projects like designing the fickle group Bar. Fickle Gruber's answer to the Wonka Bar. It's all very much a chicken and egg problem. Eugene won't be able to continue elevating the candy company without hiring more people. But he likely won't be able to hire more people until he elevates the candy company. The cost of this challenge, especially in these early days, is immense.
1: Literally, um, where we're at right now is my living room and they just kind of like sit here all day. It's, you know... Before I opened, I used to have my nights and weekends free. And with the store, I got to be here nights and weekends, you know? That's that's the majority of my business when everyone else is free. So uh, it it felt like a sacrifice at the beginning, but now it's just part of my life and I kind of enjoy it.
2: In this way, Bushwick's been the perfect place to establish his project. Here, Eugene has the devotion of his loyal regulars, the inspiration of his ambitious collaborators, and perhaps most importantly, the support of a welcoming community eager to see their unusual neighbor succeed.
1: When I think about it in hindsight, and sometimes think maybe I sh- located the store in the wrong neighborhood, maybe I should be in like Park Slope with a lot of kids, you know? Uh, I think about all the people that I've met, especially like my immediate neighbors, um, and they make you know, all that uh negative thought disappear um and any other holiday where people are like barbecuing grilling i have my neighbors they know i'm stuck at the store, so they always run food over you know i had like a hot dog and sausage delivered to me um thanksgiving time christmas time my neighbors will bring me food so it's, 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 an, it's been amazing
2: this is a special juncture at which to meet bushwick's mad scientist he seems to be on the verge of a kind of inflection point stretched radically thin but poised at any time to leap into the next stage of one of his multi-layered plans. And yet, he appears also to have grown unexpectedly fond of this challenging moment. He was once Wonka-like in the shadows, but now he's as in love with his community as his community is with their treasured Candyman.
1: I wish I can have a full staff and have my corner high-rise office building and looking over my empire, right? now, that's, um, th- that's been some really great things about, um, uh, running the show kind of solo, uh, all the personal interactions with my customers and getting to know them. Um, yeah, I think about sometimes, like, the day when someone else is here and my customers walk in and that'll completely change up the experience, I'm sure, for them, right? Like. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's been, it's been good. It's been a lot of work, but uh, I'm here because I really love what I do. really enjoy it.
2: Thank you so much for listening. Join us again in two weeks for Episode 4, a special post-election day story that will take you to the intersection of community activism and the occult. I'd like to extend my sincere thanks to Eugene. You can find out more about his incredible shop at EugeneJ.com. And I'm excited to announce that together, we've partnered to celebrate his story and, of course, Halloween. Now, through October 31st, Bushwick Podcast subscribers will receive 20% off bulk candy selections at the Eugene J. Candy Company. You can find it at 16 Wilson Avenue in Bushwick, just off the Morgan L-Stop. Why not make this Halloween the most delectable one ever? I'd also like to extend my sincere thanks to you for listening. If you haven't heard episodes one and two, definitely go back and catch up. In episode one, we share the incredible story of a brother and sister helping to build a brighter future for Haiti's next generation. And in episode two, we take you into the larger-than-life story of a brilliant chef who's left behind fame and success in Istanbul to begin a groundbreaking new project here in Bushwick. In the meantime, I'd love for you to join our community and follow us on Instagram at Bushwick Podcast. Send us your thoughts and your Bushwick stories, either in the DMs or by emailing us at hello at hearbushwick.com. That's H-E-A-R bushwick.com And if you have a moment, tell a friend or subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Your support will help us share the incredible stories happening here in Bushwick with even more people And we can't thank you enough for that opportunity until next time.